0: Hello and welcome to the College Financial Lady podcast. I'm Anne Garcia, a certified financial planner and partner at Independent Progressive Advisors, a fee-only financial advisor in Portland, Oregon. I also write a blog called The College Financial Lady, which as you can probably guess, is about paying for college. And I'm a mom to twins who are college sophomores. I get a lot of questions from readers of my blog on topics that are kind of outside my area of expertise. So I just start, decided to start this podcast in order to provide some access to experts in, that, in those areas. Tonight, I'm talking with Julia Surchin. Julia founded College Ahead in 1995 following her passion to help parents and high schoolers navigate the transition from high school to college with confidence and optimism. She's one of the longest practicing independent college counselors in Portland, Oregon, and she's particularly well-suited for this role by her past education and experience. Julia earned her Bachelor of Arts in Anthropology from Barnard College in New York City and her Master's of Education from the University of Southern California. Prior to founding her company, she worked with students as the Assistant Director of Student Affairs at the UCLA School of Engineering. In 2010, Julia became a Certified Education Planner. A leader in her field, Julia is a member of the Higher Education Consultants Association, the National Association for College Admissions Counseling, and currently sits on the Board of Commissioners of the American Institute of Certified Educational Planners. She can be reached through her website at collegeahead.us. Julia, thanks so much for being here tonight. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. So I was thinking back to a couple years ago. um, And, you know, it was the summer before senior year in high school, and my daughter and I took a big trip out east into Chicago to look at colleges. Um, So right now, uh, college visits aren't available to families, and they haven't been for a while, and they probably won't be for a while. So what suggestions do you have for researching colleges in the current environment and trying to find good fits?
1: So really, very, very poignant question because it's on so many, so many families' minds. I think first of all, before I address those specifics, I wanna say that although a lot has changed, I think it's very important to remember what hasn't changed, okay? And I think that that, that means that the fundamentals are the same. The importance of fit Um, and that students doing um, doing a a fair amount of self-reflection in terms of what they need, what their goals are, um, and how they're gonna accomplish those goals, that's still critical. Um, But that being said, yes, a lot has changed. I think one thing that this year's seniors are in, in better shape than maybe last year's seniors is that schools have worked really hard all summer to ramp up and improve their virtual offerings so the the different kinds of uh, virtual virtual options for students to learn about schools is very robust um, in addition to various um, virtual tours and videos that show a life and uh, a day in the life of a student at X college and there are tons of those to be found on YouTube and other platforms. Uh, schools are offering uh, virtual information sessions. Some of them you can register for and they're live and so that they're, they're interactive. There are a lot of recordings. So that is something that is available now that really wasn't available last spring when everything um, shut down. Colleges know they need to do more. They, you know, they, they couldn't just stay with the way things were last year and a lot of them have enlisted other personnel. And so one of the things I would encourage students to do is reach out to people outside the admissions office. So for example, if um, If your son or daughter is interested in journalism and is very interested in going to a school that has a robust and um, well-regarded student newspaper. Um, Reach out to to both the students and the faculty advisors of of the newspaper. Contact um, students who are working at the radio station. This whole um, situation that we're in now requires students be a lot more creative and a lot more proactive because the regular channels we know are out. So they're going to have to think outside the box. Um, But by doing that, they really demonstrate their interest to a school and that could be really advantageous. Excellent. Cool. So
0: um, you mentioned that some of these things are available on YouTube and other things are stuff that you register for or go through the admissions office. Do you have a recommendation about how best to approach that? I mean, are students better served by trying to get, you know, by working their way through the admissions office to sort of make themselves known to the school or does it matter?
1: Yes, it matters. Um, many schools um, take demonstrated interest into account when making admissions decisions to a greater or lesser degree. And demonstrated interest is everything from, do you register on their website? Do you open the emails that they send you? How long do you stay on their website? All of these things are tracked. Um, so, so so demonstrating interest is, is really critical. Um, but I regard, this as any other research project that one would be wise to use multiple sources. So for instance, when I'm working with a student to develop a college list or research a particular school, I always use more than one guidebook or one more than one resource. So I wouldn't say it's an either or proposition. I would say that it's both use the school's website. Oh dear. Oh my gosh. Are you being told you have to evacuate? Um, No, I've been told that everybody in Canby has to evacuate, but I'm not in Canby. That's really creepy. Sorry, I guess we'll edit that part out, huh?
0: Sorry, we're here in Portland, Oregon in the middle of the firestorm and Julia was just getting an alert on her phone.
1: Yeah, and it's, uh, anyhow. Um, So yes, I don't think it's an either or proposition. I think that students should Uh, try to think creatively and access as many different sources as they can Um, because that's going to be what gives them the fullest picture. Uh, When I go visit a school, I try to talk to more than one student. I try to see things from a variety of perspectives and that's that's what's going to serve students well so i would say you certainly start with the school's website but go beyond that excellent Excellent.
0: Um, so one of the topics that people are talking a a lot about is um, test optional or the lack of tests it seems like test optional was already gaining steam um, pre-covid but obviously for this year's seniors um, who may or may not even have access to the sat or the act um, what are your recommendations with respect to um, testing and the application process and then, you know, looking out at, um, you know, kids who are maybe a year or two out from from applying where presumably the SAT is enough of a business that they're going to make something <laughs> <people>. <laughs> Um,
1: well, let's stick with the easier part of that question first. And that is what to what to say to this year's seniors. Um, first of all, I, I want to be reassuring and there's, there's enough uncertainty. There's enough anxiety, um, about this process to start with. And then you add in the whole COVID layer. And I think what I want to tell kids is try, try to take the pressure off yourself. If you have not, if you have no test scores at this point, um, and if you're concerned about being able to get a seat and test, go test optional. Take take the load off yourself. I think that it's, it's very, very hard for students to remember that time is a limited resource and applications are going to be coming due, You know, going live, coming due soon and that it's important for students to use their time wisely. And they need to think about how they're gonna get the biggest bang for their buck. Um, It's not about just taking the test. There's one of the tests. It's about prepping for it so that you get the kind of score that's going to make it advantageous to submit. And um, if you haven't done that and you're gonna be doing that now, I would say you'd be Probably better off spending your time working hard to keep up with your schoolwork and trying to impact the other parts of your application that you can still impact. So that you might not, you might want to just let the testing go. I mean, I've talked to several students and they're concerned about the safety of the testing sites, even if they can get a seat. And their parents are concerned about the, set, the safety of their being in a, in a room with these other students. So I'd say if that concerns you, let it go. Um, on the other hand, if you have test scores and if your scores are going to be in the top 25 to 50% of the applicant pool for a particular school, submit. But if they're not, then decide to go test optional yeah Um, and it doesn't seem like any schools are requiring
0: tests this year
1: just since not that i've heard of i mean but i think it's always i think that the underlying message here always is that students need to do their due diligence and it's students responsibility to really make sure they understand what the colleges they're interested in are looking for, mm-hmm. so um, yes, the general rule is that everybody's going test optional because it's almost impossible to get a seat. Um, I don't know of any schools that are requiring tests, but I think students need to, to be on top of their own of the schools that are on their own um, lists, yeah.
0: So I think that's a really, uh, you know, a really good point you made that take, take whatever stress out of this process that you can, because it is already, it is already very stressful and I'm going to go into another really stressful piece of it, which is that um, it seems like the application process this year is going to be different for students in a lot of ways. I mean, one of the big ways is with this huge wave of students who deferred this year, it's Possible that applications are going to be much more competitive because already you know 20% of the spots at every college might be taken up by students who deferred last um, last time around and then when you add in, you know, pass fail only grading and no access to extracurriculars or all the things that kind of let you show show who you are how do, how do you see all of that or, you know, what, what guidance would you give to students sort of navigating that minefield?
1: So, I think, again, I think it's really important for all of us to try to take stock of what we know, what we can know, what we can control. I think... The jury is really out as to how schools are gonna be reading applications. Um, Most schools, or I should say many, many schools, particularly the smaller, private, more selective schools, have been doing holistic review of applications for a long time. So they're looking at applications in context, under, they understand high schools uh, and in colleges are not holding students responsible for things they cannot control. So the mandatory credit, no credit grading is really out of the hands of students. And again, I- I'm s- going to sound like a broken Disney film. Let it go. Yeah. Um, I think you have to accept that that's, you didn't have any control over that that's a situation that most students are facing. So you're not really at any more disadvantaged than anybody else.
0: Um, Yes, do that, especially with the smaller private schools, but that the admissions officers have regional responsibilities. So for example, the admissions officer who's looking at kids in Oregon knows that across Oregon, all grading was pass fail in the spring and that there are no sports this fall, et cetera, et cetera, which may be different from Utah or Idaho. Right. No, they
1: know that. New York. And they know the high schools. I mean, last week I called a selective school to ask about some questions about a student um, who certainly was not mentioned, but I said, are you familiar with and I mentioned the high school that this student attended. And they said, oh, yes, we, we know that school. And they have statistics of how many students from that high school apply. And so they, they really have an understanding. And they, they appreciate they're, they're kind of flying blind, too. I mean, they, they've been doing this, but the situation is different. The situation is different for everybody. Um, I think that's something that's easy to forget when we're all
0: in this sort
1: of. Right
0: tunnel of misery that we can't see the end of is that every single person on earth is dealing with this situation right now. In (laughs)
1: some way. And students tend to think, students tend to think that the control is out of their hands, that they are being done to, you know, this is, they're being acted upon. And I would encourage students to reclaim their efficacy and their power. Students have the choice of where to apply. Colleges want you to apply to their school, but they, they don't have control over that. They can try to influence, but the student has control. Um, yes, the colleges make the decisions, but ultimately students are the ones deciding where to enroll. So I, I don't want students to forget how much um, control they have in the process
0: yeah i think that's a great point because i i think there's a that people really internalize that schools are very selective but once you leave that very top tier of schools education is much more of a buyer's market
1: well that's right i mean the average um i think acceptance rate at schools is something like 60% Sixty percent or something like that i don 't remember offhand, and the reality is that most students, the vast majority of students, go to one of their top choice colleges. Mm-hmm. and I think that that means that first of all, don't focus your entire search on Uber selective schools, which is something I would like to talk about at the end um, of our time, other um, than the Willy Wonka schools. Oh, is that what you it's call like, them the really Wonka like
0: getting a golden ticket. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: so don't focus just on those um, and really make sure that the schools on your list are good fits. So um, you had asked, you know, what happens when students don't have, you know, don't have grades and they, there are no extracurriculars? Um, I think that what do students do? So besides trying to let go of some of the angst about this, The things that students can do is focus and do as well with the educational situation you have now. It's not ideal. Students are either totally online or in a hybrid situation, but really work hard to focus and do the best you can. Uh, Work hard to connect with your teachers and think carefully about getting recommendations teacher recommendations, counselor recommendations um, are gonna be more important than ever. And many schools are allowing for students to submit more letters than they have in the past. So this is something that's really critical and students should think carefully about that. Um, Also, just because organized clubs and team sports are off the table for the fall doesn't necessarily mean that there are no extracurriculars. And I think that the way students can shine is to really think about how they can morph their activities into things they can do during this time. That's going to help them shine. whether it's students who were part of the computer science club, who are teaching seniors how to Zoom. I mean, there's so many things. The world needs what high school students can offer. And again, it means creativity. But doing that is, is, again, something students can control and highlight. And, And then the last thing is, to take advantage of the application opportunity. Most students see the applications as a hurdle, you know, that it's just only about your address and your phone number and where your parents went to college. But if students can change their mindset and think about the applications as an opportunity to showcase not only who they are, but why they fit to a particular school that, again, is something they can control. Absolutely. You can always make lemonade, right? <laughs> I mean, sometimes it's harder than others, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, on that subject,
0: are you recommending that students apply to more schools <laughs> this year than in past
1: years? <laughs> oh, what a segue. I really wanted to talk about that. Um, no. In a, in a short answer, no. I think that students need to do their homework, which means they need to do their self-reflection. They need to do in-depth research. But I actually posed this question to several colleagues. I wanted to see how their experience um, jived with mine and i heard back from people that when students are applying to more than 10 or 12 schools their their results are no better in fact they're worse because when students are applying to more than 10 or 12 schools they really don't have the bandwidth to make every application the best it can be and Especially- I would second that. So my daughter, when she, she applied to
0: eight schools total, she had almost 30 essays that she had to write right. just for eight schools yep. between, you know, the applications and scholarships right. and whatnot. And at those eight schools, four of them had acceptance rates below 10%. And the two of those schools that she got into were the first two essays that she wrote and the last two two essays that she wrote. And she was because I think a lot of it was just she was
1: done. That's right. Absolutely. And so this was I mean, when you when you posed the question, I I chuckled because this is something that I really wanted to talk about. yet students can't do it. They're done, they're tired. Um, Not only can they not write the essays to the best of their ability, but they probably haven't researched all those schools to the best of their ability. And the more students can show that they're a better, a good fit for a particular school, uh, the better off they are. And so if students... Do their homework and, and follow a, a thoughtful process. There's no need to apply to that many schools. Um, unless you're just trying to Count up acceptances, but you're probably not going to be that successful. I had a student a couple of years ago who applied to 20 schools and um I did not support her in all those um, applications because I told her I thought that was ill advised. But she did a lot of them on you know on her own. But she did not have any better results than she would have if she had um, focused. And um, I mean, there's she did not get into some of her top schools, but um, she's happily at Stanford. So there's no reason to feel you know that she didn't do well. Um, Which leads to another another thing that I wanted to talk about, and that is the scattershot approach to college admissions. Um, And that's what this young woman did. She was applying to many, many schools um, whose acceptance rate was less than 10% or maybe even less than 5%. And she thought, well, if she was looking at schools with those kinds of odds, if five of those schools was good, 10 of those schools would be better. And I think that that is a misconception that many, many students and parents have. And I am here to try and debunk that because it's not an additive situation. Most of the colleges that are admitting that few of students are seeking the same qualifications and the same leadership qualities. So, if you apply to ten schools that have a ten percent admit rate, that doesn't give you hundred percent chance. Ten it. times ten. <laughs> no, you don't. You don't get ten plus ten plus ten plus ten. I mean, so your 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 chance of admission is still only 10% and you might get a little, a little bump by adding a few, but it doesn't, it doesn't make sense as the young woman who I worked with a couple of years ago found. So, um, especially this year where, um, where there's so much stress and tension, I would say to try to, um, you know, minimize that. I know some of my colleagues because things are uncertain are saying that they are recommending no more than 12. I mean, typically I've really asked students to keep to eight, maybe 10 schools. And so this year it might be 12 um, max. Um, But I think the point is that the lists have to be strategic. And if they're not, it doesn't matter how many schools you have on your list; you're not going to get the responses you want. Yeah,
0: that's a great point. Yeah, it'll be an it'll be an interesting year to see how how this all plays out. Well, I
1: think to say the least of it.
0: Um, interesting is it's one of those words like experience is what you get when you don't get what you want. Interesting is
1: right what you get when
0: it's 2020. Um.
1: I mean, I think colleges are still I think students would be would be wise to check out what um, colleges mission statements say they're still being true to their missions. Yes, there's going to be some pressure as you alluded to uh, from students who had taken deferrals. um, But they may be planning on if they're under enrolling one class, they may over enroll, you know, another class so I would encourage students to just try to try to keep focused and and reach out to help there is there is help i mean even though students are online for school part of the time they have they have high school counselors there are people like myself who are available to help families um
0: yeah i think that's an important point to make because it is really easy to just sort of get laser focused on the screen in front of you and forget that. The whole world is, is, is still out there and um,
1: people tend to feel alone and they can, and they, you know, that kind of breeds its own anxiety. Um, but there are, there are people, lots of people who are really here to help families.
0: Yeah. So, um, so tell us again where we can find more about your services, Julia.
1: Uh, at collegeahead.us. It's my website. I talk about the services I offer and I really talk a lot about my approach because I think that Just as families want their students to attend uh, colleges where they're going to thrive, um, fit is so important. I think working with a college counselor fit is also important. Um, It has to be a person that you feel comfortable with and that uh, you can form a good relationship with. So it's at collegeahead.us.
0: Excellent. So it seems like to recap, we could say, you know, important things for students who are applying to colleges in the fall of 2020 are don't stress about the things that are out of your control. Yep. Focus on the things that are and think about who you are and 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 what constitutes a good fit for you. Do your homework using the tools that are out there
1: right and try to think outside the box whether it's about reaching out to people at colleges or morphing your own extracurriculars into a different in a way that looks different
0: i love that that's a great idea well julia thanks so much i really appreciate you you being here with me
1: well thank you so much for having me i always love uh talking about these issues and uh it's just it's fun
0: Absolutely.